in the last few weeks, we've seen Paul directly address the serious issues that are facing the Corinthian church. Leadership divisions, jealousy, lawsuits, incest, confused ideas about marriage and singleness. And now he turns to the next issue that they have written to him about, eating food sacrificed to idols. For the Corinthians, this was not just an abstract theological issue. It concerned how they were to live and navigate a society with competing ideas, religions and practices. It influenced who they ate with and how they were to respond to invites from their neighbours or their business partners or their friends. And so whilst this whole topic might seem foreign to us, it's a current issue that they faced on their front lines. In Corinth, as throughout the Roman Empire, the primary source of meat came from the temples. The temples essentially doubled as a local butcher. And archaeology also suggests that the temples also operated as restaurants with extensive dining hall complexes underneath. So whether you bought your meat from the market or whether you went out to dinner, your food would have likely been sacrificed to an idol. From the section of the letter that we are looking at tonight, we jump into the middle of an interaction between Paul and the Corinthians. On one hand, the Corinthians have submitted to Paul what they think about eating meat sacrificed to idols. They appeal to their wisdom and knowledge to justify their actions. We don't know exactly what they said, but it's possible that they're just checking in with Paul to confirm that they are correct. On the other hand, we have Paul's response. And Paul isn't going to give a simple, you're right, or that's wrong. Rather, he wants to reshape their thinking. He's not giving a roundabout answer because he doesn't care about the practical issues that they face. Instead, he wants them to see that as we seek to follow Jesus, knowledge alone is not enough to navigate this world. It's tempting to dismiss this chapter as an ancient issue unrelated to the challenges of living in 2021. But through a case study of a current issue, Paul is helping the Corinthians to think about what honours God and what will honour their brothers and sisters in Christ. This was radically countercultural then as it is for us now. It's not just about being right or invoking our rights to justify our actions, but doing right for others. So rather than an answer, Paul offers the Corinthians a way to think through the challenges that have little guidelines. They should love being known rather than knowledge. They should know what is true and express knowledge with love. So first, love being known rather than knowledge. If you would look with me at chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. The presenting concern of food sacrificed to idols highlights the Corinthians' issue with knowledge. 
In just these three verses, seven times, Paul speaks about knowledge. The Corinthians' knowledge, the result of knowledge, the reliance on knowledge, and where knowledge begins. In a culture that upholds wisdom and understanding, the Corinthians pride themselves on their knowledge. And yet, Paul shows them where this will lead. In verse 1, they claim, we all possess knowledge. And he responds with the outcome of knowledge alone. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Of course, true knowledge about God and what Jesus has done is central. And we'll get to that in a minute. But Paul is trying to get them to see that knowledge is not enough. Knowledge can just puff up and inflate pride. They think they know it all, but their obsession with knowledge and knowing things correctly is just more like somebody walking around in an inflatable sumo suit. Paul wants them to understand that their reliance on knowledge is misguided. Verse 2. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. In fact, he critiques them that they are focusing on the wrong things. Their knowledge and pride are blinding them to one of the most important and profound foundations of the Christian faith. Verse 3. But whoever loves God is known by God. Note, he doesn't say here, whoever loves God knows God. Whilst that would still be true, the starting point here is not about us, but rather delighting in the fact that we are known by God. Our God, who set in place the galaxies and formed canyons and mountains and gave flight to eagles and sustains forests and holds the oceans in his hand and stands beyond time, knows us. Imagine for a minute that on one side of the scale, we placed all the things that we know. You might start with your education, maybe the people that you know, your friends and families, your colleagues, your favourite recipes, um, how to fix your car. And then on the other side of the scale, you placed all the knowledge of the creator of the universe. When you compare the two, how can our knowledge possibly compare? We can just be so tempted to evaluate our worth based on what we know. We define ourselves by our areas of knowledge or its depth, and we can just end up believing that I think, therefore I am. What that leaves us with is just a complete dependence on ourselves. But if we follow God... We believe that we know because we are known. Rather than just relying on our limited knowledge, being known by God is the firmest foundation to build upon. This is a place of incredible security. God knows you and nothing can change it. It can't be changed or taken away by your intelligence or your age even dementia or injury or disability can't affect it. Being known by God is not dependent on what we do. It's solely because 
of God's grace, his steadfast love, and his unfailing faithfulness. It's quite remarkable that God would delight in both the mundane and exciting moments of our lives. And the effect of being known by God is that his priorities become our priorities. Not out of fear or obligation, but because we are completely known and completely loved. If our confidence just remains in our own knowledge, we will just be inflating our egos. But if our confidence is being known by God, then we will not only seek to know him, but we will seek to build others up in love. We will love being known rather than knowledge. Second, in Paul's response to eating food sacrificed to idols, we need to know what is true. So would would you look with me from verse 4? So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So after highlighting the trap of relying on knowledge alone, Paul affirms what the Corinthians wrote to him. In verse 4, an idol is nothing at all in the world, and there is no God but one. The so-called idols, false God's powerless, were powerless man-made figurines, were nothing. In terms of knowledge, the Corinthians writing to him are correct. The meat sacrificed to idols holds no power. The truth of knowledge is clear. God is one, incomparable and all-powerful. So with this shared understanding, Paul draws the Corinthians to see that knowing what is true about God will shape everything that we do. All things are from God and all things are for God. For verse 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The heart of knowledge here is not a set of principles but the very person of Jesus. To be grounded in truth is to be grounded in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We are alive in Jesus. We are alive through Jesus and we live for Jesus. Jesus is the goal of our existence. Jesus holds together the whole world and our whole lives And this passage echoes what Paul wrote later to the Colossians. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Our lives lived in, through and for Jesus are to be distinctive. 
And this is what sets us apart from the world. This is the truth that should guide how we act, what we eat, what we say and what we think. Jesus is the compass that our whole lives and will should always be returning to and pointing towards. So then, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, if our lives seem out of control, we are known by God. When we question the direction or the purpose of our lives, we know we live for Jesus. For Corinthians in Corinth, navigating a culture which love their knowledge and their rights, they are to be grounded in the truth that there is one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ. For Christians in 2021, navigating a world which loves our knowledge and loves our rights, we are to be grounded in the truth that there is one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ. Our actions and decisions should be first shaped by what most honours God. For when we are grounded in the secure knowledge that we are known by God and our lives are made for Jesus, then there just isn't any room to use our knowledge with arrogance against others. Rather, we are to express our knowledge with love. So picking up from verse 7. But not everybody, everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Although those writing to Paul seem to have the correct head knowledge about the empty power of idols, not everyone here has arrived to the same conclusion. Within the church, there are people for whom their years of attending and sacrificing, reveling and worshipping idols remains fresh in their minds. Just like a well-worn track or a familiar smell, it doesn't take much to be transported back into the old ways of thinking and the old ways of acting. With the allure of idolatry and temple prostitution, the temple could still be a very dangerous place to be. And Paul here acknowledges that the danger is not actually in the food. For verse 8, we are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. But neither does he dismiss those Christians who are tempted by the sacrificial food. Instead, he gives this warning from verse 9. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. Correct knowledge is not enough. It matters how this knowledge is expressed. The warning is clear. In your pursuit of being right and expressing your rights, don't become a stumbling block for those who don't share your understanding. 
and the implication is serious. Your knowledge can destroy the very people that Christ died for. What was at risk here by the Corinthians invoking their rights, such as eating food in a temple, was that other Christians could be led into thinking that the idol was real or that it coexisted alongside Jesus. The right action of the knowledgeable one could be catastrophic for another brother or sister in Christ. And today, we can be quick to invoke our rights and apply our superior knowledge and yet ignore the effect it can have on others. We might know for certain that our career is not our identity. Yet, if it's all I talk about and all that my plans for my life are centred around, then other Christians might be falsely led to place their ultimate trust in their career. So even if we are okay, we should be careful not to lead others to places that blind them to Jesus. We should be careful that the exercise of our rights should not become a stumbling block for the weak. For the consequences are serious. From verse 12. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Paul knows, as the Corinthians here do, that the meat offered to idols is nothing. But knowledge of God and Christ leads Paul to lay down his knowledge for others. This use of knowledge is shaped by Jesus' priorities, a radical love expressed for others. Such radical love that would lead Jesus to die on the cross so that none would stumble but would come to know and be known by God. In Jesus, we have the ultimate expression of knowledge laid down in love for others. We might not daily have to think through whether our f- to eat food, sacrifice to idols, but there will be plenty of times where it will be tempting to rely on our own knowledge and ignore or diminish God. But don't rely on your own thinking. Rather, love being known. Know what is true and express knowledge with love. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the amazing truth that we are completely known by you, that there is nothing we can do to change that, that over the course of our lifetime, age or sickness or mobility will ever change that. We pray this week, Lord, that you would shape our priorities in line with you, that our whole lives would be for you, that we would live through you. We pray, Lord, that you would bring to our minds any ways in which we have become a stumbling block to others. Individually and corporately, 
would you please help us to be ready to lay down our knowledge or rights for the benefit of others, that we would be committed to building one another up in love because we are known by you and we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?